As another migrant caravan set out from Guatemala last week, the Union Tribune set reporter Sandra Debel and photographer Nel Cepeda to the region. They saw Hondurans cross into Mexico, which is still unprepared to deal with the migrants. Check out the show notes for a link to the online story, which highlights Nel Cepeda's photography. I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of Refocus. It's Mark Platt, immigration editor at the San Diego Union-Tribune. We're here with uh, Sandra Dibble, reporter, longtime reporter in Baja, Mexico. We have Nell Cepeda, who is a photographer. Uh, they just completed a trip down to southern Mexico, where we were um, looking at the caravan coming up from Honduras. Uh, you flew to Tapachula, and you crossed over into Guatemala. And from there, uh, what you were trying to do is document uh, this uh, a new caravan that was coming over. This was done all last week. So we'll start with you, Sandra, uh, as you were down there looking for... Um, what, were you, what were you looking for? What were you hoping to find when you went down there? Well, uh, basically, we went down because there was a new caravan coming up from Honduras. And the Mexican government under uh, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador had said, we are now going to be offering them um, humanitarian visas, one-year work permits. We are not going to be militarizing our border. We're not going to force them to wait on the other side. For those who do it legally and register, uh, we will treat them accordingly. And we wanted to see how this would play out. That was the basic point of our story. Mm-hmm. Now, what were your observations when you went down there? Oh, my assignment was to go down there and visually report uh, the caravan possibly grouping along the border mm-hmm. and uh, at some point making their decisions to either cross legally or illegally. Mm-hmm. And in the case of what we saw, we saw both instances. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about that. So we didn't know what to expect when we went down there. Uh, you weren't quite sure. But uh, that's what we saw. They came across, they started registering people, uh, but not everybody was in line with that uh, thought process. Right, Sandra? Right. Uh, So they started registering people, and that was going well, and that was sort of our first day stories. Like, look, they're doing it. They're lining up. They're signing up. Mexican officials are actually welcoming them to Mexico. Um, But then the next day at about 3 in the morning, uh, there was a group that came in from Guatemala, and Mexican officials said that the leaders broke a lock. It's not a it's not a port of entry that's open 24 hours, right? So the gate is closed over a bridge over the Suchiade River. So if you can imagine this, it's it's a small port of entry. But the leaders broke a lock, and then they just poured through. There were mm-hmm. like uh, hundreds. It's really hard to say, but easily hundreds just poured through and started walking. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and then when you talk to them, they said, oh no, if we register, they're just going to deport us. Or, you know, we're in a hurry. We don't have time to, to wait. We're, we're, we need to get to the border. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we're going to the U.S. Okay. Let's take a, a step back. Uh, when they left Honduras, they were leaving from all uh, all over Honduras, right? Uh, and then they were joining the caravan. How did they start out were they all in one, or were they gathering throughout the country at certain points? Well, the main caravan, I think the caravan is sort of like a trickle of different smaller caravans, mm-hmm. but the main caravan was supposed to leave last Tuesday morning, a week ago, mm-hmm. from San Pedro Sula. They actually left Monday night, like just spontaneously. 
so you had that was that the main caravan, but then you have some groups from El Salvador and from other parts of Honduras. Uh, San Pedro Sula is at one extreme part of the border, so I, I would assume that if you come from other parts, I met I met migrants who who rode buses up. A lot of people weren't waiting for that caravan, but they knew the caravan was coming, so then they all joined it in Tikkun Unam. Okay. You observed the same thing, and they were... Uh, yeah, my observations were a little different, because we had gotten... Sandra and I had separated on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I had gone to the border Thursday, early Thursday morning, and I'm on the Mexico side along the riverbank, and I'm photographing migrants with the caravan that are illegally crossing. Mm-hmm. And so we made a decision to go back over to the bridge and walk across into Guatemala. And in walking over to Guatemala and going to the park, we noticed immigration officials from Mexico. So that got our attention. And so we followed them to the park where they made an announcement that Mexico was going to allow them to legally cross, but they were asked to register and this would take a five-day process. So on one side you have Mexico telling them they can cross legally, uh, but unfortunately in the early morning hours where I was on the riverbanks, I had photographed people who probably didn't have the benefit of hearing that conversation, so opted to cross illegally into Mexico. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, that's an interesting point now, about communication and how caravan members are communicating with one another or how they're getting their information. In other words, when they came over into Mexico, they were not expecting an announcement that, oh, you can you can get these humanitarian visas, there'll be a five-day wait. You mentioned that they were told right then. How, did they, how do they even, how are they even hearing things and how are they being communicated to and with? I think Mexico had announced this okay. um, weeks before. Okay. So if they're reading newspapers down there, and I, I don't know how much mm-hmm. or, or how much th- that gets into social media or WhatsApp, mm-hmm. but you know, for those who come, uh, they will have a one-year humanitarian visa. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I think also they are being also misled. Mm-hmm. I think there are some people who are saying, oh, that don't, don't go for that humanitarian visa. Um, you know, you're just going to um, waste your time and then they'll probably deport you. So you had those two dynamics playing out. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to people, the, the people on the ground, and they're making this, uh, this trek, and you said some of them came up by buses, but there's a lot of people, there's still a lot of walking that is being done, right? People are walking. And when you're talking to them individually, what are they saying as far as, you know, what are you hearing when it comes to what the, what the plan is for them? Are they like, they all want to get to the U.S. or do they, some of them just say, I think I'd be fine as long as I get out of Honduras. I want to get out of Guatemala. What, what are you hearing? I'm sure all kinds of things. Right. I didn't take a census, right? So mm-hmm. it was just my impressions from random interviews. Um, my sense is most would like to get to the U.S., mm-hmm. Some are saying, well, I'll work in Mexico if I can have a, a permit and I'll try it out. Um, I think most would like to get to the U.S. border and then when they see if it's hard or easy, then they might come to plan B. Mm-hmm. Now, what, do you, what did you observe as far as the people coming across? Were there, uh, we kept hearing there's going to be more children this time or there's going to be more families because once they get up to the U.S. border, maybe it will be easier for them to cross. Did you, what was kind of the makeup that you observed? I, I saw, though I saw a lot of males, I did see a lot of families and it, and it is shocking to see uh, single moms 
you know, carrying babies that were six months and ten months old, uh, or traveling with their brothers and and their child, their young child. Uh, but my census is is very much like Sandra said. I think I think they're heading north. I, in the end, at least what they tell me is they want to go to the U.S., but they don't think that may be possible. So they'll settle to wherever where the job is at, and that they're not sure where that's in Mexico. So I'm wondering. For me, I wonder if they'll lose momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they'll settle wherever the first job offer comes. Mm-hmm. What was striking to you in taking the photos when you were looking at images, and we were, we have a number of images here on the on the site that people will be looking at, but what were the things that you were looking at, and what struck you as, I really need to record this moment? What's, what's striking is this sense of this helpless that they're abandoning their homeland, they're abandoning their country and crossing into Guatemala and now crossing across Mexico. And, and as you asked before about young children, many of them are in tow with carrying kids, mm-hmm. you know, either babies or young children. But the largest thing you see is really is a backpack. Occasionally, I think I saw literally one or two suitcases. But mm-hmm. by and large, it's just a backpack and bottled water. So literally everything that's on their backs. I mean, just the, just the clothes that's on their backs, a few uh, possessions, and then off they go. Um, Sandra, when you were uh, talking to people, did you get a sense at their state of mind as far as how hard it was to get just to that point, knowing that there was going to be so much, so many miles still to cross? I think a lot of people found it very hard. They looked exhausted at different points, but also you know, in pretty good spirits, mm-hmm. I thought. And, you know, some, you could just tell they were just um, upbeat and hopeful and young mm-hmm. and, and yes, like daunting circumstances and you're sleeping outside and your feet hurt, but, but determined to carry on. And I found few people who wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. What did you, can you kind of contrast the last caravan that came up? This was a very different approach and it was a very different welcome uh, in Mexico from the last time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, it was also a different caravan last time. Mm-hmm. I think you got, what, seven, 8,000 people who showed up at the border kind of in a, one big group. Mm-hmm. And um, back in October of 2018, um, the Mexican government had put federal police and, you know, forbid them from coming in. And then there was use of tear gas. And so they pushed their way through. And from what I understood from people who were there, they were on the river riverbank uh, throwing rocks at the police. And so it was a, a violent um, and not very, um, excuse me, it, w- it was violent and not a pleasant situation. Uh, this time, this time, no, no, no gates were closed, right? No, uh, no gates were closed. You had uh, Mexican uh, officers from um, Grupo Beta, which is a migrant uh, protection unit, who were basically there telling them, okay, these are the rules, you know, you follow the rules, and, you know, you were welcome to come in. Mm-hmm. What happened when they came across and they were all setting up uh, in an area here? You have this one photo where they're kind of relaxing, they're taking stock, I guess, planning for the car- when the caravan is going to move on. Where, What location was that and what were they doing? That's actually on the border between Guatemala and Mexico. And actually, on the Mexico side of the border, th- those gen- those that group of people are actually waiting in line for immigration. Mm-hmm. They had gone through the first step, was which is to get this barcoded uh, bracelet, and 
that I, that matches up with their ID cards, mm-hmm. and they're going through the whole immigration process with Mexico. That's going to take five days. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond what you see there, we were not allowed to go in and see the whole process. But waiting in line is is a four six hour process. Oh, I, I would add though I was told that, um, the ID process in, includes um, biometrics. If you don't have any proof of citizenship, they bring in the consulates from those countries to make sure that if you're Honduran, you really are from Honduras. So it's a pretty extensive process. They mm-hmm. they want to register an ID who's mm-hmm. coming into the country. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we talked about the river and coming across uh, this way. Were these people that just um, this was just another way to come, or were they? Did they have a different goal in mind? That group was crossing into Mexico illegally. I mean, okay. these rafts exist on the river and have been there for years, and you could see commerce and products moving back and forth. It's a taxi service for people crossing back and forth on the borders, and it's also, as in that photo, it's a way to illegally enter into Mexico. Hmm. Right. I mean, but I think you have to, like you were saying, there's goods and products. It's a way of life down there of people crossing the river on these rafts. It's almost like, you know, back in the day when we had Hakumba and Hakume, when there was sort of this easy interaction, that, that is sort of how, the, how that southern border is right now. Yeah. To give, to give you some idea how it, that's, that crossing is about 200 yards away from the bridge and mm-hmm. is in clear eyesight of immigration. So it's, it's not as if though they're doing this, you know, miles down the road in, in secrecy. This, mm-hmm. these, bo- these rafts go back and forth in, in plain view. Mm-hmm. Sandra, you sent me some information today that really surprised me. It said, I think 8,000 people had actually registered and they were gonna, these are all people who were gonna, who had applied for visas, is that correct? And that that seemed to be a very large number, but from Mexico's standpoint, that's kind of what they were. That was the strategy, and that would be a good thing for what they were trying to do. But then you said there were maybe about two thousand others who didn't want any part of this, and they were like you said, almost rushing on and heading to Oaxaca. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. As of now, I checked the latest figures. Uh, uh, there's uh, nine, close to nine thousand people now who have asked for these humanitarian visas. Um, and then there was this other group, I guess they this sort of non-visa group, uh, who are basically undocumented and in the country. Uh, I've read in press reports anywhere from 1,000 to 2,500 who have been making their way up really quickly up Mexico. Um, there was a church, the Ebenezer, Ebenezer Church, uh, provided buses so that they could get from Chiapas to Oaxaca. And now that they're in Oaxaca, their next stop is Veracruz. I'm not sure, you know, where they'll end up, if if this entire group will end up, come back to Tijuana, how quickly. We just don't know. Nobody's nobody's announcing. Nobody, you know, has the, is the spokesperson for these groups. Mm-hmm. Are you getting the sense that um, these eight or 9,000, this, this huge number, I mean, that's bigger than the number of the last caravan that came over by several thousand. Um, they're all waiting... Uh, they're all waiting to gather and have more and more people come over. And you say they come in in these, these waves and uh, they come together and then they're going to all be moving on as one or what, what, what do you think happens? That's what we that? don't yeah. know. I mean, uh, you have to think that now that they're, they're documented and they have work permits mm-hmm. so, and they can have a, a whole year to make it if they want to make it to the northern border, if they want to try out uh, work in Mexico um, they they have a year to figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Will they all move as one? 
I think I kind of tend to think they'll disperse a little bit. Okay. But who knows? And also that 9,000 figure is like, are they all caravan people or are they people who are actually living in the area waiting to see what's happening? And they go, oh, they're they're offering humanitarian visas. And so everybody's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll sign up too. Did, did you talk to anybody who said, um, either one of you, did you talk to anybody who said, yeah, I really want to get employment here? I want to be here in Mexico. I'm going to be look for a job in this city, and I can do this, and I'm looking for this kind of employment. I actually did. Um, he was a guy who um, uh, I think he was fairly educated, and he had been working with Hyundai in Tijuana. And somehow, I don't know if he tried to get across and he, or he got across, and he was deported back to Honduras. Mm-hmm. And now he was back. Mm-hmm. And he said, this time, I'm not going to try to cross. I'm going to try to stay in Mexico and maybe get my old job back. Mm-hmm. What about now? Neither one of you had been to this particular area of the country before. I don't believe. No, this is my first trip to the southern border of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And what were your impressions just of the area? It's just being a different place, like of Guatemala and, and the whole terrain and just the whole scene down there. What did that remind you of anything, or what were your thoughts when you? Well, I found the weather to be somewhat tropical. It was. 88 to 90 degrees, a little humid, uh, very green, surrounded by uh, coconut trees and banana trees and tobacco plantations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, The people didn't seem to be bothered by the migrants that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, 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 I guess it's what I expected. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just have a rush of impressions. It's hard to, I'm still sorting them out. Um, you know, I think there's this intense interchange. It's it's a little bit like San Diego and Tijuana in the sense of this intensity of interchange. Mm-hmm. It's it's much less developed. I mean, this border crossing was like two lanes. It's and a little gate over a bridge. It's mm-hmm. not. It's certainly not San Isidro. Right. Um, but it's yet a major major corridor for 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 people coming up from Central America. Um, there was actually a plan to house them all in this sports stadium uh, in in Ciudad Hidalgo, which is on the Mexican side of the border. And parents at the school next door were livid. And so finally the government relented, and and they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. So that explains why the camp had not been set up, the delays. Yes, that that sort of, you know, I I heard a news report after we left. But yes, there's, you know, there's anger about, you know, wait a second, you know, this is our sports field. Um, you know, how can you how can you uh, favor them over us who live here and pay taxes? Uh-huh. Interesting. You know, uh, in this country, great political discussion right now about the wall, uh, what's going on, whether a wall would be a deterrent. Uh, obviously, the last caravan that has come over and there's still uh, people trying to get across um, was not the greatest publicity of what, what happened there, tear gas and what happened with Border Patrol and everything down there, rock throwing. So do you get the sense from this group in talking to them that any of that information is coming back to them and they are apprehensive as they those that want to approach the U.S. border? Are they mindful of what's happening in current affairs? I think they're somewhat mindful, but I think everybody does the math in a different way. Um, I think they'll see, hey, let's see if I can make this work for me. And some might have asylum cases. Mm-hmm. They come to the border and 
and they might present asylum cases. Others might have family members north of the border who will pay for a smuggler to get them across. And then some will just take their chances. You know, these young, really fast guys will try to figure out, is there a way for me to get across? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that latter part's probably largely, I think they have nothing to lose. They weren't working in Honduras. Mm-hmm. So coming up and spending the next month or two to get up to the, the northern border, it's, they have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Nell, Sandra. We'll be following this. This is a story that will continue to to keep coming, and there'll be probably caravans behind this caravan and and uh, other news to uh, to to cover. So we thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Refocus. You can read Sandra's stories and more on our website, San Diego Union Tribune.com. Also, check out our daily interview podcast, The San Diego News Fix. Also, listen to our morning headlines on your smart speaker with commands like, Hey Google, tell me the headlines from the San Diego Union Tribune. For the UT Podcasting Network, I'm Daniel Wheaton. Until next time.